Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Holy Human with Leanne Rimes is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Holy Human Podcast. Today, we are going to dance with a topic I find incredibly fascinating because of its beautiful complications, the male and female energies that exist within all of us. And to walk us through it is the coolly named Rainier Wild. He's a teacher, guide, and writer who works with men and women to forge an intimate union with the masculine and feminine in order to embody more of their wholeness. And you're about to find out what the hell all of that means because I went on a ride with this one too. Here we go. Rainier Wild, thank you so much for joining us on the Holy Human Podcast. First off, it's nice to meet you. No, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I stumbled upon your work through just mutual friends on Instagram. There's many great things about Instagram, but I do appreciate using it in that way to find new friends and new ways of learning. So I'm so glad I stumbled upon you. I think it's a brave new world, right? That in a in a post-pandemic society, it's one of the avenues that we get to to do what we used to do when we went to workshops or bars or yeah. uh, those third spaces. The post that you posted uh, about the bar and the music in the bar, I literally cried to that post because I was like, I miss performing. Oh, 
And I just have to tell you about that moment because you'll appreciate this. It was so beautiful. This this uh, gentleman named Dale, I remember his name. He got up there and he was so bright and so beaming. And he played this blistering set of mid-80s tributes. And he gets to the end and someone says, oh, that was such a great song by Petty. And he said this, he goes, it wasn't by Petty. It was by us. Oh my God, that's epic. so heartwarming. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I look forward to the day when we actually get to play live music again because it's been, uh, yeah, that, like I said, it did touch my heart to see that. I want to just dive in with you on some really cool stuff around the masculine and feminine. This is a space where... I'm still learning a lot about it. And I think I think we all are. But I know that you are very well versed in this. And we hear a lot about it, especially in the wellness space and the masculine and feminine. And I just wondered if you could start off why these concepts are so important, and especially this podcast being called Holy Human, to us coming home to our, our own wholeness and reclaiming that. Boy, I, I really love that you connected it with that sense of holy human and and being in our full sense of self. One of my favorite quotes by the philosopher Nietzsche is that some people have many selves, mm-hmm. but most have no self at all. And I, I, I love the rather backhanded and disparaging element there. But what he's pointing <laughs> out is how incredibly mechanistic we are and that we're we're such poor assessors of what makes up ourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we think we're ourselves, right? Like I, I go through the day and I think that I'm the one who says, oh, the place I really want to live is Bali. You know, I forget the fact that millions and, and billions of, of other people people perhaps on Instagram are saying the same thing. (laughs) I remember turning to my partner and saying, oh, what I really want is that new Ford Bronco that's coming out. And she said, well, of course you do, (laughs) right? Like, of course you do, because we're so conditioned. We're so constructed. We're really this amalgam of, of interests of corporations and religion and the state and circumstances and consequences. And we're hardly ourselves. We're yeah. like elaborate, organic programs. And, and here's the connection. The extent to which we are aware or unaware of our compulsive thinking is really the extent to which we're powerless to avoid being controlled. Mm-hmm. And so our thoughts really are repeating almost like a record player, skipping over that same ditch all the time, and they become fixated. And we can't free ourselves. And this is where Jung said, you know, um, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it fate. And, and so, of course, that's the great hope, right? That we can change yeah. our stars if we're sufficiently aware of them. And, and so when we bring these concepts like the masculine and feminine, um, the reality is that most of us feel pretty trapped in the discrepancy between which life requires us to respond to it mm-hmm. and like what we know of ourselves. So my idea here is if we can bring these things to the conscious, if we can start talking about these archetypal principles that really act on us and push us and direct our lives, then we start to have choices because most of us feel pretty powerless when it comes to having even a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you just brought up the word archetype and I wondered if you can get into 
for the listeners, what is an archetype first off? So when we start to talk about archetypes, like we actually know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Sometimes uh, those simple terms, quote unquote, are, are really the sticking points for, yes. for so much of the rest of the conversation. <laughs> I, I think back to a book I read a long time ago, really beautiful book called Practicing God's Absence by uh, an author named Sam Keane. Uh, mm. And he, he said this thing that's stuck in my mind. He said that we're biomythic animals. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we're part blood and bone, but we're also part story. Mm. And I think that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, one of the great theorists of psychology and, and his hierarchy of needs, it really only conveys a part of the story with material comforts being very important, but I, I think they matter even less than symbols and images that we make sense of life through. Mm-hmm. So without guiding metaphors or, or stories or narratives that help us navigate our struggles every day, I th- think we lean towards despair and dread. So to give a very <laughs> roundabout answer, archetypes are these basic elements of lived experience that get expressed in myth and metaphor that are needed to inspire and empower us. There's something more than just everyday human energy, right? It's mm-hmm. like an energy that, that bursts from these sacred places. They're larger than life. They cast such big shadows. They burst into flame from, from these inner places within us. And they manifest these imageries so easily. What we, we find them from many different cultures, many different eras, many different times, not just our own, not just others. They're, they're transcultural in some ways. And the energies shift and the patterns shift, but but these these stories seem to be like through lines, these symbols. It's almost as if they're embedded in our DNA at a conceptual level. And they show us something really, really quintessential about being ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we need these images because they reconnect us to our core. Again, there's something much, much larger than just the, the headline of the day. There are things um, <laughs> like the mother is an archetype, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like you don't have to explain that one. We all kind of have a sense of what the mother is. Right. Um, most cultures had an archetype for trickster energy, this energy that's always shifting, always mm-hmm. changing, always moving. Um, we have these powerful ways that help us find our bearing over and over. Got it. Yeah. Can you take me through what the masculine and feminine archetypes how those have shown up or where those kind of were birthed from? I mean, is there a place that those really were birthed from? When I think of it, I think of, I think of Adam and Eve. I was just saying this earlier. It's interesting that the, when I think of Adam and Eve, I think of almost like the innocence that was lost of the masculine and feminine. And it's almost like the simplicity of the masculine and feminine all of a sudden became really complicated. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I love you bring that up because, you know, the biblical narrative uh, in, in the, the Jewish canon of history, I think one of the things that's so interesting about that particular story is it's very, very ancient, right? And mm-hmm. it, 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 in a written way, records stories that were even far older from an oral tradition. And what we know is that at least by the third chapter in the first book of that, of that large text, there's this tension between the masculine and the feminine. Right. <laughs> so I, I love that it's that old, right? I mean, in some yeah. ways we've been observing these things. 
So where did it come from? Well, like most archetypes, these are pre-linguistic. So mm-hmm. humans really only learned language 70,000 years ago. 70,000 years ago, we innovate language, um, anthropologists tell us. But our species goes back 350,000 years. So for a long time, we're observing things, we're communicating things, we're directing things, um, and largely through symbol, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if we think of the physical world, the symbolic physical world, you just have to look down. I'm looking down right now, and I observe some things about myself right? The ancients would have observed some things about themselves. You, you mm-hmm. said Adam and Eve. Like I look down and I go, oh, I look a certain way. I behave right. a certain way, right? You look down, you go, I look a certain way. I behave a certain way. Now, I don't think they were very complicated in their understanding, mm-hmm. those traditional cultures. They weren't trying to be very complex there. They were describing what they saw, right? And there were certain ways of being in the world that in large conglomerations, these communities of people were describing, whether it was in the mammals around them, the primates mm-hmm. around them, or even in plants. I mean, I think yeah. this is one thing that's really funny. Uh, I'm not a biologist, right? But I listen to people who say they're experts on biology. And one biologist noted that male and female niches can even be found in plants, right? The female ovulus, the male mm-hmm. pollen. And, and like the female components are putting forward these tests that challenge the male pollinators <laughs> to go through them, right? This, this is hilarious. Like the male is like very risky, you know, the, the female is very cautious and like assessing these things. So male and female patterns of behavior are associated with these kind of rules that we see repeated over and over and over again, plants, mm-hmm. animals, et cetera. And I think the ancients observed that. And they noted that these same strategies for reproduction were true in relationship, were true in individuals. And they began to correlate these. And here's what I want to say, and and perhaps this is a break maybe from standard masculine feminine uh, conversations. But really, I think if we understood the masculine and feminine archetypes, what we would understand is that we're talking about two intertwined but different spiritual arcs, Hmm. journeys from one form to another, kind of an alchemical transmutation that both of these spiritual journeys undergo. And they're so beautiful. I mean, they're so, it almost like makes me cry Hmm. thinking about how distinct, how absolutely fragile and precious these journeys are. And they're like a double helix. They spiral around one another. They're really coiled together in this beautiful way. They're dependent on one another, but they're very, very unique. And the masculine and feminine are describing archetypically these separate spiritual paths. That's beautiful. I was totally inspired by that. I'm like, that is so true. You're saying that there are these energies. They are uh, influencing our lives in many, many different ways. I mean, how can we see the, these masculine and feminine energies rising in our, our current situations? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about just what those baseline energetics are, because sure, that yeah. might be helpful to, to know just a very stereotypical level. Again, this could be found... Um, energetically, we, we could use different words than masculine and feminine. I often think that words are so funny, right? There's this story that one of my spiritual teachers used to tell about uh, the surveyors between Finland and Russia when they were de- determining the, the lines of, of these national uh, borders. And they approached a farm that apparently was sitting uh, straddling 
both nations as they were surveying. And they asked the farmer, well, which side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the, the Russian side or the Finnish side? And, and he thought about it for a long time. And then he looks and he says, well, I, I think I want to be on the Finnish side. And the Russian surveyors, they're incensed. They say, well, why wouldn't you want to be on the Russian side? He says, I do. I really do want to be. I've always loved Mother Russia, but the winters are so cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and this is so silly, right? Like we're so wrapped up in words. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Words are pretty meaningless. We could use different words, but these are the words we're using right now. So when we talk about the feminine, when we think about the feminine, at a base level, we're talking about an energetic, a principle that is organized around being in the present moment, mm-hmm. being oriented towards uh, opening, towards love, uh, constantly moving, creative, demonstrative, shifting, changing, emotive, networked, responsive, relational. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're talking about. We're talking about this, this flowering of love. When we talk about the masculine, at its core, what we mean is non-reactive conscious energy. It's globalizing, it's reasoning, it's non-attached, it's proactive, it's stillness, clarity, directional, assertive, object focus. And the masculine is really aimed towards completion. It's thinking and cause and effect. So you, you asked, like, how do we see this? I, I yeah. mean, I have four kids. Oh, I love that. So on any given morning, you can see this in my household. Let's see. I'm sitting there, perhaps, and I'm trying to make scrambled eggs. Yeah. And this literally happened, actually. Um, (laughs) I'm in the kitchen, and I'm making these scrambled eggs, and and the pan is hot. And I've got four kids, you know, like freaking out. I've got a 15-year-old who who needs to get on, you know, Zoom call. And I've got a a seven-year-old who's bouncing on the trampoline. And my partner, she's just drinking it up. It's like, oh, my God, I'm one with all that is. This is so great. The scrambled egg. And, and here I am. I'm freaking out. Like, I can only focus on that single bowl of scrambled eggs. And I'm like, can you guys please go someplace else? Some of us are trying to do valuable work here. Right? <laughs> that is so funny. I see that in my house too, completely. <laughs> this is really the dance of the masculine and feminine, right? Yeah. She is I- inhabiting this, this feminine essence. Mm-hmm. Where, where she is connected with all that there is and she's drinking it in. And I'm inhabiting the masculine essence, which is focused. It's one thing at a time, right? And, and so we're doing that. Another example comes to mind of a lover I had once. And we, we, we shared this beautiful and intimate night. And at the end of our time together, we're on top of this mountain, <laughs> this beautiful mountain overlooking the city of Portland. And she is in this flow state and she's just feeling it and she gets out of our car and she begins to dance in this grove under the moonlight. And I remember her twirling and it was just really beautiful. And all I can think about is, okay, we're getting home. Okay. We got to We got to go. We got to go. Like she was in the feminine continuance. Like, let's keep this moment going. Mm -hmm. And I'm like completion. I'm done. Let's move from one thing to the next. And so these are really small microcosm ways we see that just play out in unconscious Mm -hmm. levels, right? Just day to day. All right, it's time for a quick break and a moment for us to all take a deep conscious breath.
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from a life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Welcome, loves. We were just discussing how the male and female energies manifest within our daily lives. It's interesting because I, when I started kind of playing around with these concepts a bit, I was noticing it kind of made me sad in a lot of ways because I, I'm not kind of, it really made me sad because I recognized how deeply the masculine had to show up for me at all times. Like I I had to show up in the masculine so often. I think not only for women, but especially, we've tried to bring more of the masculine to the forefront in order to be able to play in this patriarchal society. And, you know, I grew up singing from the time I was 13. I was constantly on the road with men and I was playing in a man's world. It's been very challenging 
for me to connect with my feminine and trust it. And I know I'm not the only one. You say dancing underneath, you know, the stars. And it's, I, I have a hard time letting myself go there sometimes because I'm afraid that I won't come back from it. Like, in, and it's this really interesting balance or trying to find the balance of allowing more of my feminine to come online. And, uh, and I'm, I'm scared of it. I mean, do you find that that's common for, for us as human beings, not just as a woman, but also men to be afraid of the feminine? Well, yes. And I, I think that um, you're describing an amazing trend that we see currently. And so maybe we could just talk about this sure. in an impersonal way for a second and then come back to what you're describing very personally. At an impersonal and cultural sense, one of the consequences of the patriarchal approach to civilization, which isn't new, right? We're talking about mm -hmm. an 8,000-year-old project here that we're kind of still seeing the vestiges of. But, but I think that one of the consequences of it is we have overvalued the masculine mm -hmm. contribution in really so many ways and have emphasized that as success. We see it at every level, right? We certainly see it in the in the public life and, and the corporate world and, and all of this. And so to show up and to, to even be successful in our culture today is really to be masculine, we're told. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that means to be aggressive, to be assertive, to be active, right? To be focused, to be given. And that's they're, they're beautiful qualities. Uh, when you take someone, though, and you only emphasize that single quality, which, by the way, is only the first stages of the maturing masculine. It's only the first stages. The masculine goes many beautiful places from there. But when you only emphasize that like 20-something vision of the masculine, right. <laughs> um, what happens is an immature, unbalanced, and toxic masculine takes over, whether you're a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that in the last 40 years, I think a lot of women have experienced is that they've been invited to show up in these public places in their masculine. Mm -hmm. And not just any masculine, but an undeveloped, immature masculine that looks just as toxic as anything else. And it's too heavy. It's oppressive. And I think that, that having to always be in control, it leaves you feeling desolate inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and like, you just want to relax. My partner is a marriage and family therapist and a professor, and she'll have a long day with clients and, and teaching classes. And we'll get to the end of that day. And you can tell in her tone of voice, she's rigid and strong. She's had to make a lot of decisions that day. She's <laughs> been very assertive. And she'll tell me later sometimes, she'll say, everything in me wants there to be something I can collapse into. Hmm. Like, I just want dinner to have been made. I just want the kids to have been taken care of. I just want to find a warm bath drawn. I just want to fall into my feminine. And I think that's what you're describing. And so the, the, the real challenge, because this is ecological, this is relational now. The challenge is, can you find either in yourself or externally, like in, in relationship, a place that will allow you to relax into that space mm -hmm. where you don't have to be in control, where you don't have to assert and, and be in that so that you can access that other tender part of your soul. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I, I talk about, um, I've, I've told my listeners about Tubby. I call him Tubby. He's the inner voice in my head. Um, and he's definitely very uh, toxic, masculine driven. And it's, it's challenging to shift out of that space to allow for that unfolding because I'm still dancing with him in there, you know? And so the tenderness, I think we've really, uh, most of us have never been taught to be tender with ourselves, you know, and I think that that's something we are, we're all being uh, welcomed into a new way of being with ourselves. And I think that, like I said earlier, there's a, for me, there's a fear of like, I'm going to get lost in that. There's this huge, you know, emotional landscape that first off, we've, we've never been taught that the emotional well is safe. And that's the feminine. I think it's so... For me, you know, I've dealt with depression and anxiety and many things. And in fact, recently have been uh, brought back down to this kind of very low depressive state. And it feels like, is this the feminine that I'm, that I'm, are these the emotions that I'm suppressing and repressing that I'm, that I'm not willing to just like give myself over to? There's almost a need to get lost in it for a while. (laughs) Am I making sense? <laughs> Loud and clear. Okay. I, boy, I can really relate to that. Uh, I I went through a very painful divorce uh, about a decade ago uh, that coincided with my 30th birthday party. And oh, good I, times. I was, it, it was a real humdinger. And yeah. uh, uh, the, the person I was going through the divorce uh, with had planned my birthday party. And needless to say, the the woman I was also involved with, who was a different person, was not invited <laughs> to that birthday party. And it created a real <laughs> split for me. And that night, I was surrounded by friends. I was surrounded by a lot of happiness and people who wanted to make me happy. And I got to be honest, I felt so low. I felt mm. alone in a room full of people. And I left that party early, probably a little tipsy. <laughs> and I went to the place I was crashing at the time, which was like a dungeon. It was like this basement, <laughs> someone's half finished basement. And I was locked out. Oh no. <laughs> I, I, I had locked myself out. Oh no. And so I, I had to break in to this basement. And so I crawl in through <laughs> a ground level window and, you know, I'm, I'm not a small man. And so I'm like, you know, squeezing myself <laughs> into this, this window and I fall onto my bookcase and I crash into my bookcase, the books fall everywhere. And I, I'm just laying there surrounded by these dusty, musty books, uh, scraped, bruised, and just in despair. And I started to make this sound like, uh, like kind of a moan begins to come out of me and it gets louder and louder. It was involuntary until it just is filling the room. I'm like a wounded animal. And I start sobbing. I had never Mm. sobbed so hard. And I remember looking back on that moment and going, I was in the ocean, Mm. right? Was I experiencing sadness? Yes. Was I experiencing loneliness? Yes. But I think I was experiencing the whole of all the emotions in that moment. I was, I was in the sea. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in that place, like I think you're describing, you have been, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's overwhelming. Like you don't ever want to go back there because <laughs> yeah. you're going to drown. Here's what's beautiful. I'm in Hawaii though right now. And it's, it's giving me a new flavor of the ocean. I live in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest and the ocean is very cold. This is a yes. different kind of ocean. Yeah. And 
you know, you, you get out and at first the waves hit you pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But if you can just get out just a little beyond the breakers, the ocean becomes something really delightful. Yeah. And I think if we stick with the emotion just long enough and don't run from it, don't retreat. If we stick with the feminine, we'll call it the feminine mm-hmm. for a moment, long enough. What we begin to see is that it is not the terrible and tumultuous place that we thought it was, but it is something we can lay back into and begin to drift, flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember another piece of the feminine that, you know, when I was 27 ish, starting to go through a divorce myself and a public affair and many things, I felt like I took a match to everything that I'd ever known and just like literally set the whole thing on fire. And I remember being, when I started playing around with these feminine concepts, thinking that I was totally terrified of that piece of the feminine. And I didn't understand that that was a part of the feminine to be able to destroy and also rebuild and rebirth. And, you know, you think of, you think of the feminine, you think of the mother, it's all about birthing and you never think of the piece of it as the destroyer, which... I'm still afraid of that piece of me. <laughs> like I know what it's capable of. And I find it, I find it just within that feminine, the, the masculine and feminine within the feminine concept. Like, can you talk a little bit about that side of the feminine? And is there, I think there is beautiful health in that side of the feminine too, but how can we know when we're like in the, the healthy feminine and masculine? And when are we in these, immature versions of this? And when can we tell where we're coming from? Mm, that's a great question. Still working on that myself. Uh, by the <laughs> way, I just want to, I just want to say, I, I resonate with your story. I resonate with yours, too, <laughs> with yours too. Yeah, totally. I think that my answer really needs to hinge on understanding the developmental arc of both the masculine and feminine. Sure. So let's just take the feminine arc. Part of what is happening with the feminine is where she begins. So archetypally, the adolescent to to mid, even late 20-something feminine is called the maiden. Mm -hmm. And the maiden is really very spontaneous and free. She's alive. She's vibrant. She tends to go where she wants. Like, again, we're not, we're not talking about like specific individuals. We're talking about an right. archetype here. And the maiden, the early stages of the feminine is really what we think of when we think of feminine. And part of that is because our culture is obsessed right. with youth. And so we, we only associate, you know, like a thing with its more youthful side. But, but the maiden really is everything we think of when we think of the feminine. She's spontaneous. She's wild. She's free. She delights. She dances. What's she about? She's about everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's about anything. She could appear at any moment, anywhere. She changes her mind. She's capricious. Um, it's really a beautiful thing. And if you've ever experienced that kind of feminine energy in anyone, it's, it's wonderful. And it's probably a little frustrating too, if you're trying to <laughs> like start a business with it, right. right? It's just, it is what it is. Now there's a shadow side to that part of the shadow. I think archetypally we would call it the whore, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how it's been labeled. 
And it's that idea of she's so open to anything. She's open to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And she loses herself. Yeah. And so that's the shadow of the maiden. And what happens towards the end of that stage of development is that she has to make a decision. And the decision is, will I continue to exist in this free flowing space or will I give myself to something? Hmm. That's really the challenge of the maiden that she comes to the end of that particular set of, of experiences. And she says, will I give myself to something? And then there's a great shift and she shifts into what we call the mother. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be a mother to inhabit the mother archetype. You'd simply have to give yourself to something more than yourself, to Mm -hmm. the art project, to the organization, to the community to your family, to your lover, whatever it is, you're giving yourself, you're flowing into this beautiful place that is now more than yourself. You're channeling all of your energy into the single point. Now, here's what's interesting. To someone who has inhabited the maiden, that mother stage feels more masculine because she's going from a place of emptiness and now she's taking on more form. Hmm. She's taking on more particularity. And to a lot of particular females who hit that stage, it feels like putting on an itchy sweater. <laughs> They're like, I remember when I used to go to the clubs right? or totally. whatever it is, you know? And it's like, and then there's that desire to blow, to blow all the shit up. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's okay to, to curse. Yes, please. You, you, you. <laughs> we call this holy human for a reason. <laughs> Everything is welcome here. <laughs> yes. yes. You, you hit that place and you're like, like you said, you, you strike a match and I just want to lose it all. I want to go back to how I was. Now, here's the great thing, because the challenge, just like there was a challenge or a shadow side to the maiden, there's a challenge and a shadow side to the mother. She becomes codependent, or she might. Hmm. She loses herself in the organization, in the art, in the connection, in the project, in the motherhood. She loses herself. Mm -hmm. And so she can either go back to being the maiden, burn it all down, or she can move to the next stage of development, which is the archetypal crone. Hmm. Now the crone is the next stage and she's now fully formed. Whereas the maiden was like emptiness and openness, the crone is total fullness of self. She exists as a self for others. She's found the balance, mm-hmm. right? She's not the maiden anymore but she is free. She's free and she's full to give of herself, to give of her essence to the world around her. And that's the final stage of the feminine essence maturation. Yeah. Can we step into, I mean, when you think of crone, I think of, um, you know, when we get older, you know, can we step into these places within ourselves long before we would normally, you know, become the crone? Well, the, we have to, in fact, learn the lessons of each stage. Got first. it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't tend towards other lessons. But if you mm-hmm. don't learn the lessons, say, of the maiden, right? For instance, I was just interacting with a woman in her, in her 60s. Actually, I think her early 70s. And she said something really interesting. She said, I never learned the lessons of the maiden. I never got to be wild and free. And so you know what actually happens in her? Every time she's around a woman in particular who is wild and free, she gets annoyed. 
<laughs> She's so bothered by them. They That's trigger so the hell out of her. That's so interesting. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about the, the maiden, from my personal experience, I didn't have a chance to be wild and free. And that I think that that wildness, like I said earlier, that touching upon that wildness is scary. It's like, whoa, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big energy. And especially when I've had to like really focus on, on holding everything together. I mean, I, I basically was... You know, I, I've had so many people around me and, and take I was taken care of for, you know, from the time I was very young. So it's interesting to have to have been in that mother, motherly place without having so much of the wild and free. And so the challenge for you, I think, as well as the challenge for so many people who missed out on the experiences and the lessons mm-hmm. of those earlier stages is to create uh, safe and contained places where you can begin to reintegrate those things. Mm. So it was working with this incredible human being who she's such an amazing artist and she has two children and her art and she's a coach. So many things. She's clearly in the mother stage, right? I mean, just locked there, giving of herself (laughs) to all these things. And like you, she said, I couldn't feel the vitality Mm. of life. So I told her this, I said, I want you to take two days, two days this week and let all your responsibilities go to hell. (laughs) Literally let all the plates fall, do nothing or do everything. In fact, do whatever you feel like, or none of what you feel like Mm -hmm. either wake up at six in the morning and do the dishes or don't. But here's the key. Be completely spontaneous in your energy. Hmm. ping from place to, and do that for two days. And you'll have to plan. You'll have to set that up. You'll have to structure it. Your partner will have to absorb the impact and he'll probably <laughs> want to know in advance that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> right. uh, and so create that space. Here's what happened. She told me that after those two days, her creativity was unleashed. She said, I almost had not been creative before, mm. but simply coming in contact with my feminine, I was absolutely restored. So I love that. It's, it's to create those safe containers. That Yeah, no, that is something that I actually have been doing for a while now for myself. I take Mondays, well, when I was on tour. If I came on on Sunday, I would take Monday completely to myself to just allow myself to flow. And it was a time for me to just be in whatever I felt like doing because I, I felt like that was a, such a needed balance for me after being so structured of touring and I have times to be places and I have to make sure that I'm on. And I think a lot of people can and a lot of women can relate to that of like we're constantly in, in business mode and doing mode and it's that freedom of being that is so important for the balance of it. But it's it's interesting because sometimes at the beginning I would be like, what the hell do I do with myself? <laughs> I don't even know, which is where the fear comes in. It's like, wait, am I doing this right? Like, it was scary because it was kind of like I didn't know what naturally just kind of moved me and what I enjoyed. And I think that was that structure for me of having those Mondays was such a huge piece of bringing joy into my life. That's just it. What you just said, bringing joy, bringing delight. When we connect to our inner feminine, one of the things that we discover very, very quickly is that our capacity for delight increases exponentially. Mm. I love this idea here. You know, um, happiness exists on a spectrum. And on one side of that spectrum, we might quantify the masculine approach to happiness. And then the other side, we might quantify the feminine approach to happiness. Mm. 
because the masculine is not state dependent, he's related to kind of emptiness or simple presence. His approach to happiness is like joy in the midst of a storm, right? So when I think of inhabiting the masculine and being happy, it's not state dependent. Hmm. My partner said this as we were crossing the volcanic uh, lava fields the other day. And she she was like squarely in her feminine. She was going, oh, my God, this is like a scene from that movie, The Road. She's like, I hate it. Like, I'm dying inside. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Like, it just is. Like, let's embrace it. I'm laughing. Right. right? Joy, even in the darkest moment. I'm not state dependent. Hmm. But the feminine is present oriented to the moment. So she is reacting on everything. And what's so beautiful is when you can inhabit that space, a giggle begins to emerge over the littlest thing. Like Mm. you're simply reacting to the moment. So delight, especially when you're inhabiting that feminine place is so wonderful. And when you're cut off from it, Mm -hmm. it really is a kind of death. Really when you're cut off from either side of your energetics, there's, there's a dying that happens or when you're stuck only in one place, mm-hmm. um, when you can't move on, when you haven't integrated those lessons, we keep integrating, we keep, um, and what I would say here is most of us are stuck, right? <laughs> like yeah. most of us didn't yeah. have perfect parents. Most of us didn't have perfect childhoods. We actually just get stuck. Mm-hmm. And so we bring awareness to it. We go, okay, I'm way too engaged in control. Yeah, way too engaged and having to show up a certain way or be a certain way. Or maybe we say, I'm way too state dependent. I'm changing moment to moment to moment. Like, ah, okay, well, we need to engage the masculine a little more in that moment. We need to create a container that can hold us and be a little more focused. All right. Next up, we are going to place our focus on the masculine archetype. of endless diets and weight loss struggles it's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results introducing smart metabolic burn from brain md your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat imagine burning fat balancing glucose levels and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks this unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula berberine which targets abdominal fat and oea which curbs your appetite with just two capsules a day Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. 
Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Welcome back, everyone. We are hanging with Rainier Wild. We've talked a lot about the feminine. Can you talk about the masculine arc? I would love to hear about that. Yeah, this is so special to me, this particular arc, because really, I grew up as I think most most men who I know who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, we didn't grow up learning what we probably now call toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. We actually grew up learning how to be the nice guys. And so I had a, a father and a brother, but my father was gone a lot. He was a televangelist and traveling the world, slaying dragons for Jesus. And, <laughs> and you know, um, and my brother also 10 years older, gone. And so my sister was really my caretaker and guardian. And my mother was a very, very strong presence, had very strong grandmothers, very strong aunties. And so my life was dominated by the feminine. And I learned not the lessons of what the masculine was. I learned the lessons of how to be in my feminine. Mm. And I kind of had to patch piecework together what it meant to be in the masculine. And I didn't learn that for a long time. In fact, like I learned it miserably. And so here I want to talk about this arc and how it can go really poorly (laughs) just from my own (laughs) experience. Um, You know, and so the first stage of masculine development, and we're talking about a very ancient line here is the hunter stage. Now, what I mean by that is traditional cultures, when a boy passes from adolescence to manhood, he's initiated into the hunt. And the hunt requires all of his testosterone to be channeled towards a focused outcome. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, this archetype, the first lessons the boy learns are to actually pursue, to hunt, to focus, to engage. The first stage of the masculine really is that very aggressive, assertive, directive, dominant, focused, planful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And culturally, these traditional cultures, they required initiations for boys to pass into that. And what those initiations almost always held was a confrontation with your own mortality. Mm-hmm. and a cutting away from the soft feminine that they had been raised with. Mm-hmm. 
for anyone who is addressing their masculine essence, some of the first lessons they have to learn are how to show up and be hard. <laughs> Literally, how to approach a hard world and say, you know what, the world is going to give a hit and I can take it and give one back. Right. But I didn't learn that. I learned how to be soft. I learned how to be tender. I learned how to run from the hit when it came. Mm. I learned how to change shapes. And so traditional cultures, they had myths attached to young boys who escaped initiations where they learned how to confront their own mortality and approach <laughs> their own hardness. Um, they called them monstrous. <laughs> they, they associated them with monsters who tried to preserve their own life. Vampires. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Vampires are an interesting myth, right? They tell these stories of these highly groomed, highly civilized, highly polished individuals who were very uh, affluent and intelligent and educated. And all the while, they're secretly draining the blood of the feminine. Mm. And, and this is what women experience almost constantly when I talk to them. They say, I'm strong. I'm assertive. I'm confident. And my partner, he's very emotionally intelligent. He's very sensitive. He's very soft. But if I'm honest, I feel drained. I feel like I'm his gal pal that he's always like leaning on <laughs> when he needs help. I'm like his mommy. Like, mm. and I don't want to be his mother anymore. Yeah. And these are very honest conversations and it's hard to admit that, but mm -hmm. what's happening there? It's a vampiric relationship. Yeah. Where he presents very composed, very intense. And that's how I was, honestly, like I had the right answers. I knew how to relate to the feminine. I right. had a master's degree. I was a counselor. Like I had all these things, but you know what I didn't know how to access? I didn't know how to access my inner masculine. Well, that's interesting because you're saying, I think a lot of women think that's what we want. <laughs> And it's interesting when you present the fact that that really isn't what a lot of women are wanting. And I find that fascinating. It sounds nice, right? Yeah, and, it does. And you, In you certainly want someone who can hear you, who can listen, who can can provide that. Um, but to be in to be in the feminine means to be able to to want to be led, to mm -hmm. actually want to receive. And what's important to note about the, the masculine developmental arc when it hasn't gone through an initiation and a confrontation of its own mortality. One of the things that happens, unfortunately, is he can't lead. Mm. He's covertly passive. And that's why he's depleting. He's like, over time, he'll drain your energy. So what always has to happen in this masculine arc is a confrontation of one's own mortality. You have to really say, I'm going to die. <laughs> I live right. under the hand of fate. And I, I accept that. Now, once you learn the lessons of the hunter, once you learn how to be focused, how to be assertive, how to be active, how to be aggressive, once you learn how to, that, that, to quote a line from the eels, life is hard and so am I, um, <laughs> you know, from the song Novocaine yeah. for the Soul. And once <laughs> you learn title. those things, <laughs> you can actually um, move on to the next stage. Now, here's what's beautiful. If you fill that stage out, the next stage for the masculine is the alchemist. Men who have filled out a strong um, hunter stage, they come to this beautiful stage where they alchemize their inner feminine. They bring it on board. 
Mm. Right. I had to undergo a stage where I had to relearn the lessons that I didn't learn as an adolescent. I had to bring those hunter qualities online for, for two years. I ditched uh, any kind of helping, any kind of healing, any kind of writing. And I literally became a, a floor layer for two years. I mean, oh, just wow. like blood, sweat and tears inhabiting a warrior culture that it, it probably needed therapy. Uh, <laughs> it, it just like <laughs> the reality was it, it was a tough gig. And I learned how to be tough. But then beautifully, you go through that, you relearn those things, and then you can start to alchemize that inner feminine. The feminine comes back online. Mm -hmm. And so that's the second stage of masculine development, to bring in that softness. If you learn that, the third stage is really beautiful. It's the lover stage. And, and we meet so few people in this, so few men in this in particular. But the final stage of masculine development, the lover stage, is really all about becoming the gift, hmm. becoming the lover. There's a, a selflessness. There's an emptying. There's a, I live so that you can live. I exist so that you can exist. You're not interested in your own self-interests that you were when you were in your 20s. You're interested in them having pleasure. You're interested in them having fulfillment and whether that's a grandfather or, or a, a lover, whatever it is, they're a lover of life. They're a lover of, of love. They've given themselves, they've emptied themselves. So you see this, this feminine arc goes from emptiness towards solidness, towards mm -hmm. fullness. And the masculine arc does the opposite. He goes from fullness, solidness. And he becomes like this sloppy, gooey, empty mess by the end. So that you see this village wise woman who is strong and her eyes are burning and she's fierce and she's commanding the tribal warriors and hunters and she's telling them exactly where to go. And you see this village wise man and his eyes are tender and melting and a tear trickles down his face and he's full of love. And you see this beautiful double helix intertwining where they've actually changed to become like one another. Mm, I love that. Okay. So now we have these two pieces of us. These, these both exist in all men and women. So how does the emptying and the fullness happen <laughs> at once? Yeah, that's right. What you do is you have access to both of them in okay. part because we rarely, um, we rarely access one with the other at the same time. Okay. That's really why these arcs kind of exist because most of us, by the time we're very, very early, we'll simply gravitate towards the feminine or gravitate towards the masculine, mm -hmm. right? And moment to moment, we may access traits of the other, but in reality, we're kind of following this long pan arc across a lifetime. So that the crone, right? She actually has full access to not only her maiden self, but she also has access to her hunter, right? She's strong, right? And so she's adopted. She's comfortable with both her masculine and feminine traits. Got it. Similar with the lover. He's comfortable with softness and assertiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the balance of them are, you know, is so important. I mean, if we feel stuck in the maiden or if we feel stuck in the mother, I know, like you said, there's a lot of women who just, who hand themselves over 
to that codependency. I mean, I, I know a lot of my friends who have children who are now almost grown. They're like, what do I do with myself? I mean, if you are, if you're finding yourself stuck in these places, is there one thing that you would recommend a way to start working our ways out of being stuck in these, in these places? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's just take, particularly, I think that middle stage for both men and women, Mm -hmm. that middle stage is very confusing. Mm -hmm. So motherhood, right, in the feminine, whether you're a man or a woman, motherhood, this this challenge of codependency. So if you find yourself there, one of the things to note is that going backwards Mm -hmm. to becoming the maiden actually isn't the answer. It's tempting. Yeah. (laughs) Like becoming wild and free again and going to Cancun and then moving there and being there forever. (laughs) Right. Like it feels really great in the moment. It's probably not the answer. Right. But one of the things that that you do, I'm going to suggest that whoever you are, opening is the answer. Mm. Right. Becoming in your body, like it begins in the solar plexus. It's literally just, if we could take a moment and just, feel into our bodies. It literally is that opening up of the chest, feeling that energy pouring through that connection, that intentional heart space, that Mm. making room to kind of clear the cobwebs, to connect to your breath. Right. And then that extends into relating. Uh, I'm probably a hopeless romantic, but I actually (laughs) do believe that that the originating force and the ultimate destiny of the universe is love. And so when we lose the rigidity of black and white thought and we develop curiosity as a response to the moment, and when we can open ourselves to that loving presence, something begins to shift first towards ourselves, then towards others, right? And so I always get curious with my experience. For me, uh, in my own alchemical stage, right, learning how to alchemize the masculine and feminine, it's getting curious, like, okay, am I overemphasizing one side or the other? You know, my mm-hmm. partner said to me something the other day. She said, I, th- I think, like, um, you, you might need to bring some of these aspects more online. So feedback is a really important thing. And I always say, like, have at least, like, a front line of, like, five people who if they tell you jump, they're the only people who you actually do jump for, but you really do jump, (laughs) right? right? Like you trust them that much Mm -hmm. that you might say, oh, you know, everyone else can go to hell. But those five people, like I listen to them. And so I think, you know, with my partner, when she says, hey, I think you might need to bring some of these attributes online. I listen. Mm -hmm. I go, okay, what are the next steps? So feedback is really important. Those two things, opening, opening to that infinite source that really is inside you. I know that sounds so mystical, but we all have access to inner wisdom, even if we don't always access it. (laughs) Right. And so listening to your inner wisdom, letting that inner source of love flow through you, and then listening to the feedback of those you really, really trust. That's going to get you pretty far, I think. I like that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I of course, I'm a big music lover. <laughs> music has been a huge part of my life for so long that I am always curious about other people's musical taste. And so I have this thing at the end called the Holy Five. And I would love for you to share five songs with us. It could be recent. It could be of all time. Just things that move you. 
you know, I am also a musician. My 20s were spent being a low-level singer-songwriter oh, touring in the, the bars and uh, of Portland, Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. And so I definitely feel you on that. I love music. I grew up singing in churches. And Very cool. Not secular songs. Those were evil and of the devil. Uh, but <laughs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yes. But I made up for lost time by listening to a lot of devil music. So number one, uh, Karma Police by Radiohead probably oh, nice. like takes the cake. It, it's one of my favorite songs, and especially because there's a moment he breaks into, for a minute there, I lost myself. It's like, God, yes, I relate to <laughs> that. Totally. And, and my seven-year-old knows all the lyrics and will sing it along with me, and he's the best part of that show. That's awesome. Slow Show by The National. I love The National. Great modern rock band. I haven't listened to them enough. I need, I'm going to go listen now, now that you mentioned that. That album, Boxer, uh, that Fake Empire is on. And yeah, that, that one is, is just high. Um, <clears throat> obscure one, Live Is Life by Opus. So... It just has this repetitive refrain, na 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 na, da na na da da da. It's so great, and there's this video of Diego Maradona, one of the greatest football soccer players of all time, and he's juggling like 50 feet up in the air the soccer ball with <laughs> "Live Is Life" by Opus in the background. YouTube it; it will make nice. you happy. I challenge anybody not to have a smile on their face watching that I um, love from it. the 80s. <clears throat> Number four, "Dancing in the Moonlight" by King Harvest. Anytime nice. that song comes on, I'm like smiling inside. That's- Is that dancing in the moonlight? I love that song. That's good. Yeah. And then a really obscure one by a band called The Cobalt Season that was really impactful in my 20s. A, a song that I love mostly for its title that I think has a lot of resonance in my life, but be careful not to draw your maps in pen and ink. Oh, wow. Which I think just says lessons about life in its title. Careful not to draw your maps pen and ink. Completely. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you again for coming on here. Thank you for just for showing up for me just so, um, so beautifully and so spontaneously. I really do appreciate it. And thanks for joining us all the way from Hawaii. Enjoy your last day there. This was wonderful. Thank you. So nice to meet you. I look forward to connecting again soon. And that, my loves, wraps this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. And please feel free to share this with anyone you think would benefit from the lessons that we just shared. And as always, I would love to hear your thoughts too. So please leave me your thoughts and a rating wherever you are listening. Bye. On our next Holy Human, we're going to explore something amazing that I just experienced and cannot wait to share with you all. Energy flow formula. What's that you may be asking? You'll find out from the man who pioneered it, Dr. John Amaro.
Listen and follow Holy Human on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? struggling to find restful sleep or plagued by a restless inability to focus it's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living welcome to amen university founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert dr daniel amen dr amen alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions from debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry our courses are meticulously crafted to target Get these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.